0: Strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles.
1: Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Raid. <laughs> Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert.
2: Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Slammed to the ground by Baker! Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. ha, ha,
1: ha, ha, ha.
2: Temperature rising, vision blurring, rage taking over.
1: Here's Paul Calvisi. Get the popcorn
2: ready. It's going to be a show.
1: And Ron Wolfley.
2: It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury.
1: And a
3: big welcome to the Red Sea here on the Big Red Rage. Here is hoping that, that your week has somehow, some way, resembled that of Matthew Stafford's week. Actually, make that frat Stafford wolf (laughs) as frat Stafford was trending on Twitter you know you're having a good week when you have your own moniker trending and when then Tom Brady weighs in because you know he's been there and, and done that overindulging at a Super Bowl parade when TB12 tweets out hey Matt mix in a water trust me um, you know you're feeling pretty good.
0: Yeah, the debauchery of it all, Paul. You've got to be kidding me, right? At some point in time, please, will you just put it down? Walk away from it. Don't walk away from people that are actually falling around you. Just actually put the bottle down and walk <laughs> away yourself, Paul.
3: I-, I didn't see, though, that Matthew Stafford needed any help walking away like Tom Brady did That's at the true. very end of yeah. the water parade a-, a year ago. And, Wolf, trust me you will get to talk here in a minute but i have a thought i, w- I would like to start with oh Are no you ready? okay
0: i'm ready okay. Paul.
3: so the super bowl champion as we know now resides in the nfc best and it's up to the arizona cardinals more than ever right now this upcoming season and and here's where you need to follow me because if we reverse engineer the nfc from the nfc championship game back the Niners. I mean, come on. They're hitting the reset button with the rookie quarterback, Trey Lance, Jimmy G. The G stands for gone. He's already said goodbye. So the Niners, they're out. Green Bay, already nearly 50 million over the cap. Reports everywhere that Aaron Rodgers is gone. Maybe in Denver. Who knows? Either way, the Packers, they're out. Nobody, and I mean nobody, trusts the Cowboys, right? Right doesn't matter if they have doesn't matter if they have the most talented roster which they might have had this year doesn't matter they can't get out of their own way they're their own worst enemy they're the only opponent really on their own schedule they're out the Bucs just lost tom brady so enough said they're done and the Seahawks defense if you want to go that route some sort of resurrection in Seattle behind Russell Wilson who by the way uh probably really does want out well guess what the Seahawks defense is every bit that bad at every level of that defense so that leaves Ron Wolfley the Arizona Cardinals as the only viable threat to save the NFC (laughs) stand between the Rams and LA repeating And, and and where would that happen that would happen in your own building And that's how it gets worse. So the time is now. The urgency is real. The Cardinals have to step up and stand between the Rams as a repeat NFC champ.
0: Yeah. You know what, Paulie? The the best thing I think you said right there is just uh, Jimmy G, the G stands for gone.
3: (laughs) That's what you pulled out of that that monologue. That's what you pulled out. Yes,
0: that rambling right there. That to me was, hey, listen, you know what? It is a year-to-year proposition. This This is the one thing that we know about the National Football League. When you start when you start trying to carry over one year to the next year, I think that is a dangerous, dangerous proposition. You just look at what happened to the Arizona Cardinals this year. Oh my goodness, unbelievable! Seven and zero, of course. Ten and two. It's the ten and two number that bothers me the most, Paul. I mean, that's twelve games. Paul, that's is, that is, thats three months of football right there, and they were the best team in the NFL. By way of example, that's what I mean by it being a year-to-year proposition. You just don't know what's going to happen from one year to the next. It's This is the National Football League, and this is one of the reasons why it is as popular as it is, because you truly can go from worst to first and first to worst.
3: You know what? You said it. And I asked it. It's going to be a question to Sean Jefferson coming up. I buried the lead here. We are the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, and our special guest tonight is Cardinals receivers coach Sean Jefferson. And we're going to ask him those two words, what happened? So we're going to talk Mm -hmm. about this season, the way this season finished, his thoughts on that. We're obviously going to get his thoughts on his son Van Jefferson, Rams receiver, who who wins the Lombardi Anne had a baby on the same day, Super Bowl Sunday. Wow, so we're that's gonna
0: a get, good day, Paul.
3: We're going to get that probably the best day in the history of the Jefferson family. Okay, so we're going to talk about all that. As it went from L.A. and the Rams winning, and then the very next day, you probably saw they had the handoff. They handed off the football, the Rams Super Bowl committee in L.A., handed it off to Michael Bidwell, Doug Ducey, the governor, and Larry Fitzgerald, right? So, boom, (laughs) Arizona is on the clock for Super Bowl 57. It'll be February 12, 2023. But before we get there, let's talk about Super Bowl 56, and that's exactly what Drew Stanton was doing on the Red Sea Report with our Craig Grigaloo, and we all know uh, what it came down to, that final drive, Matthew Stafford to Cooper Cup, and here's Drew Stanton, the former Cardinals quarterback, just on the receiver that is Cooper Cup
2: and everyone knows they're trying to throw it to him, right? Like right. That's the thing. It's not like he's some like well-kept secret around what's going on, but because he has the freedom and these option routes, he's always going to make the right choice. He's always going to be at the right depth of where he needs to be. He's always going to do all these things, and he's unselfish. He's not one of those guys that's sitting there worried about it because he knows when his plays come, he's going to make the most of it. The final drive, all of a sudden, you could just see him start building momentum and building momentum, and, and you know, much like we saw with Larry the course of his career here, you get the ball in his hands, and everybody else there's this belief system that just elevates of everybody on the team because of it and then you go score and then you flip it over and say all right aaron go win the game for us there
3: you go drew Stan on the red sea report he mentioned larry what larry have to say didn't larry tweet out something along the lines of you know cooper cup props uh, i have memories you have the hardware yeah You
2: know what,
0: that would be a good day day for Cooper Cup right there if you got a text or tweet from Larry, of course. Paul, you know, I I just want to say this. um, It really wasn't Cooper Cup to me that really was the story of this game for the Rams. For me, it was Matthew Stafford. Mm. It was Stafford, Paul. I mean, he did it. Paul, he did it. The narrative surrounding Matthew Stafford is dead the fact that he's not a big-game quarterback, the fact that he didn't handle pressure pack situations very well, that narrative is dead. And think of it. This game not only came down to a 15-play, 79-yard drive with just over six minutes to go that resulted in that one-yard touchdown pass to Cooper Cup to win the game when it mattered the most, the fact that it came down to that and that Matthew Stafford delivered... That right there, Paul, that is the definition of killing a narrative.
3: And you know what? He completed all four passes he threw to Cooper Cup on that game-winning drive. Think about it. They didn't have OBJ on the field. They didn't have Tyler Higby, obviously, number 18, can't catch. They had a lot of nobodies, and he still, you're right, got it done. Although, I got to say, I mean, Cincinnati, when you got the ball back in the final drive and it's third and one with a Super Bowl on the line and you're giving it to P Ryan and I mean, run it anywhere except in the vicinity of Aaron Donald. And what does he do? He runs right into Aaron Donald's gap and then on fourth and one they get in the gun and it's so predictable because now Aaron Donald doesn't have to worry about the run and all he does is pin his ears back and boom instantly he's into the pocket.
0: Paulie honestly though I I thought Super Bowl 56 the fulcrum of the football game the turning point of the game happened when the Bengals went ahead and took a shot at Aaron Donald early in the third quarter. I'm telling you, man, Aaron Donald, when he jacked Joe Burrow out of bounds right there, Paul, yep, and yep. suddenly everyone got around him, and they were jacking Aaron Donald in the face, they awoke the sleeping giant.
3: What did your teammates always tell you about Lawrence Taylor? Hey, Leave rookie. Leave him
0: alone. <laughs> That's right. Leave him alone. Yeah. Suddenly, the Rams had six sacks. They went from one sack to six sacks in a blink of an eye. Yeah.
3: By the way, a couple quick thoughts because we're going to talk receiving next with Sean Jefferson, the Cardinals receivers coach. You're talking about Cooper Cup, who had no college offers coming out of high school. You're talking about Matthew Stafford when throwing to Cup in this postseason. His passer rating was 143.8. That's the best for any quarterback targeting a single receiver in the past five postseasons. Think about that when we come back. Cardinals receivers coach Sean Jefferson on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan
2: Ford and Gilbert. Blushed out of the pocket to the right, now throws back across the middle, and it's caught in the back of the end zone by Hopkins, and he got his feet down for the touchdown. Quick throw over the middle, Hopkins has a catch at the 10, turns to his left at the 5, and hits Pater, touchdown DeAndre Hopkins. Throws left in the end zone, Hopkins is there, sliding catch for a touchdown. Side arms it over the middle, caught for a touchdown by DeAndre Hopkins. Steps up, lobs it back in the end zone, wide open is Hopkins, and a touchdown. Caught by Hopkins at the 10, slips a tackle, runs left left to the five, into the end zone for the touchdown. Throws a bait left side in the end zone, and it is caught for a touchdown by D. Hop caught it. Looks right, throws a deep ball right side in the end zone, and it's caught. It's a touchdown. Touchdown, DeAndre Hopkins. All right, D. Hop
3: from Kyler. One of the most potent, lethal combos in the NFL. And we saw this season what the Cardinals offense looked like with And without DeAndre Hopkins, as we have a nodding head here in studio. And we're going to get to all that. But the NFL season ended with another combo. Matthew Stafford to Cooper Cub. And then one final route, a go route, a nine route, run by Rams receiver Van Jefferson from the field all the way to the hospital in L.A. and the delivery room. And a guy who had the front row seat is a guy who Van Jefferson, we heard on NFL films call him, pops and I'm guessing we can now put the word proud in front of pops and you're nodding again Sean Jefferson Cardinals wide receiver coach is our guest uh just tell us about the last week or so and especially the aftermath of Super Bowl 56 coach
4: well I was uh just an unbelievable week uh just for for the whole family uh leading up to that Super Bowl and um uh just spending the week with my son just talking about the game, uh, just his preparation and mindset in the game, and and just knowing that you know his wife is pregnant, you know, expecting a baby maybe two weeks, the next two weeks or something. So we we get into the stadium on Sunday, and you know we take our seats, and, and I'm on pins and needles because I'm like. I really want my son to get this ring, right? You know, what I'm saying, I, I, me myself, I played in two Super Bowls, lost both of them. So I'm like, okay, mm. third time's a charm. You gotta get this ring, man. Like, come on, I'm rooting for you. <laughs> we gotta get a championship in the Jefferson family. So it was, it was, it was awesome. The game started off off, off well. They scored, and things were going well. And then um, um, I'm there, sitting by his wife, and and and. Uh, um, and she said before the game, someone
3: had interviewed her. Her name's Samaria. And she said, loosely, I'm quoting, I'm 40 weeks pregnant. Right. I'm not missing the Super Bowl. She was hell bent on attending, oh, right? Oh, yeah,
4: she was. She was. And, and uh, yeah, she definitely attended. <laughs> and, uh, and so we're sitting there, and the game's going good. And, and I, I hear this kind of loud grunt. And I'm like, I look over, and she's like, I gotta go. I'm like, oh my goodness. So, me and my wife, were football junkies, right? So, was me and my wife, my youngest daughter, and my sister, who's a nurse from Jacksonville, we was all to the game, and, and uh, I looked up to my wife, and was like, hey, um, you probably need to go with us. She was like, Oh no! I'm not missing this game. <laughs> like, oh my goodness! So my youngest daughter, and my sister, had to take her, take her out, and but and she left on a stretcher, right? Yeah, yeah. The yeah the EMC they came and got her, and and uh, and from there things things was happening fast. It was snowballing and everything, and and uh, and uh, just watching the game and just watching them come back in the fashion and win that game, it was just so surreal at that moment. I mean, when when they won that game, I I literally sat there and like. I can't believe this just happened. My son just got a freaking ring. He's gonna be a champion for life. <laughs> and I'm like, it really didn't hit me. And then so we get passes and go down on the field, and I run up to him, I say, Hey man, you're a champion for life, man. Way to go, blah, blah, blah. And stuff. And and um and,
3: and you know what? NFL Films captured what happened next. Right. As a PR person for the Rams came up in a rush and informed your son, Van Jefferson, that the moment was now. Here it is.
2: Your life's going right now Daddy? oh my god yeah it, I, 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 mommy's gonna have a baby we gotta go yeah mommy's gonna have it with your brother what? mommy's gonna have your brother we you gotta get to the hospital
3: and it's an amazing moment because you see his reaction but then he's also realizing wait i have two young kids here i'm a father so then he explains it to to a couple of your grandkids what's happening
4: right <laughs> yes he does he's sitting there <laughs> explaining now they probably don't capture me but i'm in the back i'm like let's go let's go this is happening it's happening fast we got to move so so uh i'm gonna start calling him clock kit because i mean he went from that field to the elevator in like seconds you know what i'm saying it's almost like he stepped in the, in the, in the telephone booth and changed clothes and he, we were out the rams did an unbelievable job holding the elevator they had a car service ready for us there so we the driver that we had was unbelievable i, I I got to reach out to him and find out who he was. I got to send him a thank you card, because he was darting in and out of traffic. We was an hour, like hour 15, hour 20 minutes away um, from where the delivery place was. You know, she, she had a midwife going to deliver the baby. And so we'll get there, and my son is texting on the phone. The midwife is like, okay, we're, we're okay, we're doing fine. So we get like 30 minutes away from there, and she, she calls like, hey, where are you? He's like, well, we're 30 minutes out. She said, okay, blah, blah, blah. So. Another phone call come within seconds. She's like, "How far are you now? You better, you better FaceTime because this is happening right now." Wow! Little boy, don't he's not. he don't want to stay mommy's belly no more. He's coming. So, so we get to within like fifteen minutes uh, away from the delivery place, and and uh, she's had. He had to get on FaceTime and, and watch it, and and uh, but it was just just an unbelievable experience the whole way around. To be a, you know, to, to my son winning a championship and then me becoming a grandfather, man, it was just unbelievable experience. I couldn't have asked for it anything better you know that this super that super bowl sunday was the best super bowl sunday i've experienced in my life and and uh i, I don't i still haven't kind of fully grasped everything so because you know i had, had to be in here for work stuff like that so it still hadn't hit me you know what i'm saying it still hadn't hit me I, me and my wife hadn't sit down and we haven't we haven't even discussed it yet you know what i'm saying so it hadn't hit me i think th- i think within the next couple of days or something like that We'll, we'll make the track back up to L.A. And it, it probably hit me then, you know, see my grandson.
3: I love some of the headlines. A baby and a Lombardi was one. head? There was another headline. Oh, baby! Uh, exclamation point. Jefferson wins the Super Bowl and welcomes his son. And then I'll rip off the opening line from an AP story. Van Jefferson won the Super Bowl, and it wasn't even the best part of his weekend. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, let's just put it this way. What? February 13, 2022 yes. will go down as an all-timer. Yeah. yeah Jefferson big, big family time. has.
4: Big time! I'm, I'm the worst when it comes to the dates and stuff like that, but that's one birthday I'll never, I will never forget.
3: Now, did Samaria see the halftime show, the epic halftime to show? Did she make halftime, or was it uh, before halftime?
4: No, she didn't make halftime.
3: No. Okay, she, no. <laughs> no,
4: she didn't make halftime. Right. But it was, it was, it was just an unbelievable experience, and and uh, gotta be just, just so just awesome. You know, the energy in that stadium, and and. Everything that was going on there, but but when I did make it down to the field and I saw the Rams how they were celebrating and everything like that, and it was it was like I was trapped for it was about like a minute there where I just was just looking at things. and The whole time I'm looking at the Ram players, and I'm saying to myself, This has got to be us next year, this has got to be us next year. That's what I was saying. I was like, Gee, I was happy for my son. And, and, and everything like that. But I'm, I'm about a minute, I mean, I'm looking at that thing. I'm like, this has got to be us. The energy was amazing. You know what I'm saying? The stadium was just, everything was just, just lit up. And I'm thinking, this has got to be us next year. And we all know what happened in yeah. week four. Yeah. The
3: Cardinals went into SoFi. Absolutely. And Jack stomped the Rams. Absolutely. So um, is there a takeaway from what you witnessed firsthand? Is there any, it's a copycat league. Yep. Is absolutely. there anything to be learned from the manner in which the Rams
4: won it all? Yeah. I mean, we got to finish better. We gotta finish better, you know. what I'm saying they did. They went through, they went through the highs and lows of a season, and they was able to, you know, to get through those little valleys and stuff like that, and come through them and stuff. So that's what we gotta learn. We gotta learn when we go through the valley, we gotta learn how to come through them. We can't, we can't be lost in the valley. We gotta, you know, what I'm saying we gotta, we gotta push through them. And uh, they, 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 did it better than any team in the, in the NFL, and that's why they're champs.
3: Our guest here on the Big Red Rage, brought to you by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert, is Sean Jefferson, not only what, a 17-year coach in the yeah. NFL, yeah. 13-year playing career. For those who don't know, you were a ninth-round pick yeah. by the Houston that? Oilers. Yes. You played 13 years, almost 200 games, a dozen postseason games, yeah. the two Super Bowls Absolutely. you reference. So you're more qualified than anyone I'll talk to answer the <laughs> following question. What happened? Everyone wants to know, 7-0, and 10-2. Mm-hmm. What
4: happened? Well, we we, we encountered some injuries. Uh, I think injuries happened to us at, at the wrong time. And you know, when, you, when, you, when you're making that Super Bowl run, you got to kind of be hitting on all cylinders, health wise and everything like that. And uh, I, I I think you know we, we we wasn't healthy at the right time. You know, our quarterback went down. Uh, D Hop was a major part of that because it changed the way the defenses would play us. It really did. He's he's such an impact player out there. And you know, and usually we have a Hopkins. uh uh, out there the defenses usually roll to his side so and then you have you know guys playing other guys one-on-one you're able to create mismatches that way and and, uh, you know by by not having him on the field certainly impacted us it really did i mean think of the rams
3: without cooper cup right yeah and i bring that up because there's a whole variety of stats obviously on cooper cup he won the triple crown of receiving but this is one i had not heard before after the season someone calculated that in the fourth quarter of Rams regular season or playoff games, Matthew Stafford to Cooper Cut. he was fifty-five of sixty-one passing. Wow! Just to Cooper Cup, that's a ninety percent completion percentage, yeah. seven touchdowns on the year, no interceptions, just in the fourth quarter to Cooper Cup. So I, mean, I think everybody looks at D Hop and Kyla Murray, right. And they see that sort of potential. Mm-hmm. So how do you get there? How do you become that sort of lethal combination?
4: Well, I think number one, you know, these last two years is. Pretty much put a hamper on a damper on the off season program off season workout program. So I think now getting back to some kind of normalcy with the off season uh workout program and OTAs and stuff like that, I think that's when all that stuff is captured in there. The, the, the timing the importance of, you know what I'm saying, that like uh getting get, getting the reps in and and, and Kyle knowing without I even looking at it, hop, what we're doing in that situation and everything like that. I think by us having a full offseason now, I think that'll help us uh, uh, going forward. Because if you believe a lot of the analysts who looked at, especially at that fourth quarter, when
3: they were missing OBJ, no mm-hmm. Tyler Higby, right. you know, yeah. and then, and, and I mean, you you just had a bunch of unknowns and Cooper Cup. There were times he was getting double and triple covered. Oh, yeah. But if you listen to the analysts, Cooper Cup was able to look at the coverage, read coverage, yes. and be immediately in sync with in his, quarterback,
4: his quarterback, right? Quarterback. Absolutely. But that that stuff happens during the offseason. That's where that trust and that's where that, 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 that chemistry uh, it, it, it takes place during the offseason by, by reps. You know what I'm saying? And I think uh, if we can get back to some type of normalcy with this NFL offseason, um, um, it will bode well for us, big time.
3: Cardinals receivers coach Sean Jefferson is our guest, so D-Hop is a known. Other than that, it's Rondale Moore. And then TBD, to be determined, right? Yeah, it is. So you're yeah. looking at a lot of uncertainty right now in your room, aren't you?
4: Yeah. You know, we have some guys that's coming up on free agency and everything, and, and, and um, that scares me. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, you know, this free agency thing, you know, there's a lot of unknowns in the free agency. Um, and, of course, you know, Christian Kirk is one of our main contributors. He's, he's there. You know, we got Chase. we got a bunch of guys. So I have confidence in, in our GM and our owner. And our whole scouting department our head coach um, um i'm pretty sure that you know we're not just going to let good players walk we're not we're gonna fight like hell for them and, and i'm pretty sure i got i got a lot of confidence in those guys we'll get it right we'll get it right rondale moore
3: you know and look everyone's an armchair quarterback i, I get a lot of people ask me are they going to target rondale moore down the field more mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is there upside there what do you think the next step is for the rookie
4: the next step for him is you're right uh targeting more downfield adding to his, his route tree. Um, you know, it's coming in as a rookie. You know, you got D-Hobb, you got Kristen Kirk, you got A.J. Green. So he's kind of lost in that, you know what I'm saying, by being a rookie and everything like that. But um, that's one of the things that, that uh, me and Ronda have discussed about growing his route tree, being able to put him outside a little bit more where he can run some of those routes on the outside. So his his, his route tree will grow leaps and bounds uh this year so and again we've talked about how important the off season is going to be The offseason workouts workout and ota is going to be that's when the growth comes. come that's when we're going to take the steps uh, and learn how to run those routes he's a phenomenal route runner already but just mm-hmm. learning the little nuances of of playing on the outside uh, opposed to playing on the inside of, of the field how
3: about two other guys on the fringe. You saw Antoine Wesley and mm-hmm. Cliff Kingsbury really bullish on Antoine Wesley. Yes. his guy from Texas Tech. And we saw him excel against Dallas and Indianapolis mm-hmm. in particular. And then Andy Isabella. So tell us about those two guys and where you think they fit in and, and what their offseason is going to have to accomplish.
4: Well, it, w- it will look similar to, to what Rondale offseason will look, look like. Um, a lot of that stuff is like offseason is for, for development. Tweez took a step, you know what I'm saying? And, and for Andy it's all about getting reps. I've got to get him more reps. You know what I'm saying? He's got talent. We drafted him in the second round, so he's got talent. I've just got to do a better job of getting him more reps. You know what I'm saying? And, what do you think
3: and, is his role, Andy Isabella? Ideally, what realistically, what could be his role?
4: Well well I mean, kinda like what, what Rondell did this year, who's our our gadget guy, our screen runner, um, and Andy is super fast. Like you can you, you can use him in a capacity to clear zone out, use him in capacity for routes down the field, you know, so so he does have a role. I just gotta do a better job of getting him squared away in that role. Uh-huh.
3: Mm -hmm. And DeAndre Hopkins, tracking from everything you know, the injury, I mean, he should be good to go from what we're hearing, correct?
4: Yep, yep. Um, uh, I've talked to him a couple times, and and, uh, his spirits are good, and and, and, um, um, he's looking forward to getting back on the field. Tell me,
3: as we wrap it up here with Sean Jefferson, going back to your son, week 14 Monday night football, coming out of halftime, (laughs) 52-yard catch, you know. And I bring this up because NFL Films has some great clips where he keeps the football, and he says, I'm giving this to my pops. But then on the other sideline (laughs) – there's a shot of you and uh, you know there's a lot of words i can't repeat right now so how about that whole dynamic just you and your son and he's playing for one of the team's arch rivals
4: yeah i know it you know (laughs) like i talk to some of my colleagues all the time is man it's gotta be great playing against your son twice a year i'm like no, it's not like the, the swing of emotions after uh, playing him. I mean, I go home, I'm totally like spent. You know what I'm saying? Because at one point, I want to beat the crap out of him, right? You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm father. I want to right. hey, I'm still father. I got a leg up on you, and you know, and, and and at the same time, I want him to do well. You know what I'm saying? And 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 uh, that Monday night was just like, I don't know. That Monday night was like, uh, he caught the touchdown. I'm like, oh, man, because you know, you just, I'm, 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 a, I'm his father, but I'm competitive. I don't like getting my butt beat, especially not by my son. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's just a swing of emotions, man. And it's just it's it's the toughest thing that I've had to do as as a coach. To sit there and watch my son on on the other side of the ball. You know what I'm saying? Where I can't. I can't root for him because I'm, I'm in competition against him. Yes, but I want him to do well. Like I said, I'm mostly spent after those games. It's crazy. <laughs>
3: I, bet. I bet. Hey, we know you're competitive. You wear cleats as a coach. You wear? Are you wearing cleats right now, coach? By the way, <laughs> no, I'm looking. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> what? How much biz, Do you get business from the guys? Do they razz you about the cleats, or is what? that just accepted now?
4: And how did that start as a yeah, coach? Yeah, my first coaching coaching gig when I was a troll. I started wearing cleats out there on the field. I for number one, like. I like showing my guys how I want things done, and I can't do it in tennis shoes, you know, flipping and stuff like that. But I've, ever since day one, I've been a coach. I've had cleats on, like so. It's 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 just part of what I do. You know what I'm saying? It just and and, and it's just it's just stuck. I just I I'm not one of these coaches that want to tell guys what to do. I want to show guys what I want them to do. You know, once I show them, they have no excuses at that point. Because if you tell them, what to do, they're like, well, I thought you meant this, I thought you meant that. No, I'm going to show you exactly what I want, and I want you to do it. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So that's another reason why I do it.
3: And how critical is that as a coach, a guy who did it right. at the NFL level for 13 years? Yeah. That, that's got to bring more buy-in, I would think, from your room.
4: Absolutely, man. It, it brings more, more credibility, you know, to me as a coach, you know what I'm saying? And, and they know that I've been through the grind. So, like I tell guys, when I'm, I'm not going to ask you to do anything that I wouldn't do. You know what I'm saying? But but I do expect a high level of excellence when we're doing it.
3: All right. Well, I, I tell you what. Um, a, as much as the NFC West, okay, was represented by the Rams, okay. It just, I think, all of everyone associated with the Cardinals just takes gratification that there was a personal connection through you and your son and yeah. the manner in which it unfolded. Yeah. So, is there going to be a moment here in the off season where everyone gets together and there'll be a Super Bowl celebration that you couldn't have after the game? Is that going to happen
4: in the Jefferson family somehow, some way? I'm pretty sure that will sometime down the road. <laughs> but right now, like, I'm in full, like, I'm in full, like, Cardinal mode man i'm i'm in frequency mode i'm ready for the combine i'm ready to get get to otas because i mean just seeing that that what i saw on that field with my son i'm like that's got to be us this year mm Mm. so that's the mode I'm in and I'm
3: guessing you're sharing that with the guys in the rest of that room so absolutely okay coach thank you thank, thank you guys you. for having me we yeah. appreciate you. there you go Sean Jefferson who yeah he's probably uh, knee deep in college film right now watching all these guys getting ready for the combine oh yeah <laughs> there you go and we wrap it up with a head nod as well as we continue here the big red rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert we are Santan Ford
2: Back to throw, Murray in trouble. Spins out of there to his left, being chased by two Vikings, and launches it deep, wide open, near side of the 40s. Rondell Moore caught at the 30, at the 20, at the 15, 10, 5, touchdown. Kyler Murray, you are ridiculous. Murray magic, 77-yard touchdown pass. 99.9% of the quarterbacks on the planet get sacked. But not only does Kyler Murray not get sacked, he throws a touchdown. Nasty is, as nasty does, and we all know that Kyler Murray is nasty. The stuff you see in dreams and in video games, but not in the NFL. Wow. That's a great
3: call. Arizona Cardinals Radio Network, Pash and Wolf, the 77-yard catch and run. And it was a run by Kyler Murray as well just to uh, make way. In fact, I'm not sure if that was the exact play, but we got anecdotes as the season went on that opposing defensive coordinators, Ron Wolfley, when they showed film of Kyler Murray, they would show some of the plays where he would extend plays for 10, 12, 13 seconds we saw him do it in week one against Tennessee that play there Rondell Moore it is a big red rage and we just had Sean Jefferson on Wolf what'd you make of the uh, Sean Jefferson interview
0: Wow, Paulie, you know, honestly, I've got to start with the injuries he was talking about, in particular to DeAndre Hopkins right there. I really do think, Paulie, I didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal. I Listen, that sounds crazy to say when you're talking about Nuke. You're talking about DeAndre Hopkins, one of the best wide receivers in the National Football League. Yet at the same time, I thought Kyler Murray in this offense had so many other weapons. That they were going to be able to absorb that loss of D-Hop. And although they wouldn't be nearly as effective, I thought, going forward, um, I thought surely they were still going to be able to go out and score points and win games. And, Paul, I'll tell you what. When D-Hop went down that changed everything
3: yeah you heard sean jefferson say it you know what we talked about the whole second half of the season it just changed the way defenses played yes. the arizona cardinals and no longer were coverages rolling to his side and no longer did some of the other guys get those one-on-one man-to-man matchups because of it and and for whatever reason the cardinals just struggled minus d hop and they struggled mightily in losing five of their last six
0: paulie i'm so glad you brought that up schematics matter right in the way that defenses would try to defend Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals coverage was not nearly as predictable when D when D hop went down Coverage wasn't nearly as predictable as when D hop was out there. I-, I think Kyler Murray cleared up a lot of his reads for Kyler Murray. A lot of times, too. You were gonna see two safeties high. You were gonna you were gonna see two safeties high, and yep. that meant they weren't gonna be able to jam up the box. And that also had an impact on the offense in terms of running the ball, especially with James Conner in between the tackles. No doubt.
3: Rondale Moore, that was the subject we oh, he- heard there, the highlight, and we talked with Sean Jefferson, the Cardinals receivers coach about Rondell Moore, the second round rookie out of Purdue, and uh, and he confirmed, yes, they they definitely plan to target him more downfield. Uh, they, they said he's already had the conversation, Rondell Moore, that we want to expand your route tree within the offense. Says he already is a really good route runner for a young guy, but what's intriguing is the prospect of moving him outside more. Yeah, That'll be interesting, especially if you then figure Andy Isabella, because that was our next question. Well, if Andy Isabella would fill the role, perhaps – that rondell moore occupied this year
0: yeah it's going to be interesting to see what happens but rondell moore is a guy i was so high on rondell moore early on paulie i think we all pretty much were on rondell moore and um Yet at the same time, I remember saying specifically, man, he's got to get vertical. Vertical. He's got to get vertical. If he can get vertical and become a vertical threat, like a Tyreek Hill, yes, Tyreek Hill, he gets a lot of horizontal stuff, but man, the thing that is at the base of Tyreek Hill is the verticality of him. He opens everything else up underneath for the likes of a Travis Kelsey, opens up everything underneath and intermediate for a lot of his receivers. Rondale Moore, has the ability to do this if in fact they can get him to run nine routes which are go routes run those eight routes which are posts or the corner route the corner route that is a seven route paul if he can run these deep routes and be effective at that and run by people man that's when it gets so good for a guy like D Hop. Yeah,
3: and and that two high safety shell coverage. Oh that you, yeah, you know he talked about it. now. Boom! That's where you get the old phrase "take the top off," right? Yes, Is when a guy's able to do something like that. So you have Rondell Moore and D Hop. They are really the only knowns, the only certainties in that Cardinals receiver room. Mm -hmm. And so we asked Sean Jefferson, look, it's less than a month away, free agency. March 16th is when free agency begins, and we asked Sean Jefferson just about the unknowns right now.
4: You know, we have some guys that's coming up on free agency and everything, and and, and, um, that scares me. You know what I'm saying? You know, this free agency thing, you know, there's a lot of unknowns in the free agency. Um, And, of course, you know, Christian Kirk's one of our... Main contributors, he's he's there. You know, we got Chase. We got a bunch of guys. So, um, But I'm, I have confidence in, in our GM and our owner and our whole scouting department, our head coach. I'm pretty sure that, you know, we're not just going to let good players walk. We're not. We're going to fight like hell for them. And, and I'm pretty sure I got I got a lot of confidence in those guys, and we'll get it right.
3: Christian Kirk, just under 1,000 yards receiving This year, former second-round pick at the end of his rookie contract. I would not be surprised if there was a lot of interest in a receiver in his prime right now.
0: Yeah, Paulie, I know I'm with you on that one right there. Um, I think somebody's going to come in, and somebody's going to make an offer to Christian Kirk that the Arizona Cardinals are going to be unable to match. This is just a guess. I hope I'm wrong, yet at the same time, I want to see him do well. You know what I mean? You know yep. sure. Christian Kirk, the the affinity and affection that we have for Christian Kirk. I want to see him do well. I want to see him get rewarded. Yet at the same time, I want to see the Cardinals do well, so you're torn. Very much like Sean Jefferson. You're suddenly. <laughs> Torn between wanting to see the best for Christian Kirk, who is a local product, of course, and then what is the best for the Arizona Cardinals. I would hate to lose Christian Kirk. I just think that's probably going to happen.
3: Yeah, I mean, if, you know, for example, if, uh, you know, Rondell Moore, D-Hop, and then maybe a receiver taken in the first or second round, maybe that other outside guy with some size, perhaps, to go, if you indeed lose Christian Kirk, we'll see what the plan is. Can
0: I just jump in and say, you know, Antoine Wesley as well, right? There's a guy that is really intriguing going forward. Could he fill that role, very much like an A.J. Green on the outside? Could he fill that, that role of having a big, wide receiver to throw the ball down the field to? I don't know, but I liked what I saw from Antoine Wesley last year. He's
3: got a lot of competitive fire. I mean, that guy is intense. Cliff Kingsbury, will tell you, we saw it in camp. I mean, he, he was on the verge of a few camp fights as a receiver, which you which you rarely
0: That's see. That's always a plus, Paul. That is, <laughs> Absolutely. We'll put that in a yeah. plus, Kyle.
3: In, in fact, speaking of, when we asked Sean Jefferson, okay, is there a takeaway from the Rams winning the Super Bowl? Is there anything to be learned? Because he was so close with his son, and he was there at the game, and he didn't hesitate. He said, and I quote, we got to finish better we can't get lost in the valley. Every season has its ups and its downs, peaks and valleys, we can't get lost in the valley. Translate that for us. What do you think he meant by that?
0: Yeah, Paulie, you just gotta be more consistent. You have to be able to overcome adversity. That's what he mean. You can't just face the valley and not be able to climb out of the valley. You've gotta be able to face that adversity and overcome it, finish better. We know, we know exactly what that means, Paulie. You think of the last two years, man, Yep. Wow, two and five, Paul. And again, I'm not gonna say the four yep. and seven. I'm gonna look more specifically at the one and four finish, which is a worse losing percentage, as a matter of fact. Look at the one and four, because that is a sample size where weeks start to consecutively pile up. One and four. You could just see the cardinals they were in trouble. And And because of that, Paulie, they've got to finish better. And that's exactly what Sean Jefferson is talking about. Yeah,
3: How about him sharing that when he was down in that field, he was so happy for his son, but once again torn because he's looking at the Rams saying, yes, this has got to be us next year. We continue with the Big Red Rage uh, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We'll talk about next year and how the Super Bowl might tie into that next on the Big Red Rage.
1: In the victory formation, Stafford gets the snap and goes to a knee. The benches are going to empty, and the Rams are going to win it. With the strip right out of Hollywood, the star-studded Los Angeles Rams are a hit. They have won Super Bowl 56 in dramatic come-from-behind fashion. Wow
3: i tell you what, you had a Rams team that really couldn't run the ball in that game. They had 23 carries for 43 yards rushing. They didn't have OBJ for a good majority of that game. No Tyler Higbee, their second and third biggest weapons in that offense. But Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup, and then Aaron Donald at the very end. Boom, they are Super Bowl champions, and the next Super Bowl will be in the AZ Super Bowl fifty seven February two thousand twenty three as we wrap up this edition of the Big Red Rage brought to you by Santan, Ford and Gilbert, Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley. And we saw the approach, did we not? You traded away. Well, we heard Les Sneed at the parade. And what do he say? Bleep those picks, right? And he's Man, wearing the T shirt. So it's a copy. just
0: settled down.
3: It's a copycat league, Ron Wolfley. Uh, do you expect other teams to follow this sort of blueprint where you go after the superstars, you trade away the unknown for the proven, and then just fill in your roster after that?
0: Yeah, no, Paulie. absolutely. It is a year-to-year proposition. The, the, the day of trying to build a dynasty truly is non-existent in the NFL anymore. It is a year-to-year proposition. You do whatever you can to field the best team year in and year out. Yes? you're going to have a nucleus of players. There's no denying that. But, man, you've got so much more turnover than you've ever had before.
3: How close do you think the Arizona Cardinals are right now? We heard that call from Westwood One and Kevin Harlan. I mean, realistically, legitimately, how close are the Cardinals? I think a lot of us, including yours truly, are confused because they just hammered the Rams in Week 4. They didn't play all that well in Week 14, barely lost at the end. Kyler had no touchdown passes, two picks. They still almost won and went down to the final possession. Then obviously the playoff loss was lopsided. So I'm trying to figure out how close, how much ground do the Cardinals have to make up on the Super Bowl champion?
0: Yeah, you know, honestly, Bolly, it just 10-2 and two happened. That happened. That much I do know. They were the best team in the National Football League. 10-2 happened. Now, for a lot of different reasons. And I think injuries are certainly one of them. But for a lot of different reasons, I think the lack of leadership down the stretch factored into this team. And they're finished. They're 1-4 finish. I think it factored into that, Pauly. But, you know, once again, listen... um, this is a year to year proposition, and you've got to continue to hope that picks like Isaiah Simmons, right, and Zavin Collins, that these guys are going to be able to step up next year and really make some massive strides going forward. And Rondale Moore is another guy. I think some of these young guys have got to step up and take on a new role, a dynamic role, offensively yep. or defensively going forward, Paul.
3: Right, Cliff Kingsbury, the day after the playoff loss, and he just hit zoom out, looked big picture, and going forward, uh, what exactly is the game plan? The head coach, Cliff Kingsbury. We've
0: got a lot of work to do, and we want to be better and finish strong and all of those things, but um, we definitely improved dramatically in the first three years, and we're hoping to do the same next year, and, and we're going to have to. The NFC West is a challenge year in and year out with great players and um, great teams, and uh, we've we got to make some, some real progress if we
4: want to keep up. Yeah,
0: what
3: the SEC is to college football, the NFC West is to the NFL. There's no doubt about it. Next up, you're going to get the Combine the first week of March. And then mid-March, you're going to get free agency. Ron Wolfley, the athletic, put out a ranking of uh, the top 75 free agents that are going to be available, three Cardinals. Now, somehow, James Conner, a Pro Bowl running back, did not appear in the top 75 free agents. So,
0: Okay, good, ball.
3: Not exactly <laughs> you know, sure.
0: Go ahead, Paul. I hope nobody, uh, yeah. nobody notices. Just, yes. Right. E-
3: everybody forget about James Conner. Nothing to uh, see here, Paul. Yeah. Uh, number six, Chandler Jones. Number 31, Christian Kirk. Number 57, Zach Ertz. Yes, You're Steve Kime. What sort of order of importance would you put on these pending free
0: agents? Man, you know what, Paulie? I I really don't know how Steve would feel about this. I I will tell you right now, my own thought is – They need to get an offensive guard, Paul. Is that free agency, Paulie? Is that via draft pick? They need an offensive guard, in my opinion. They need a wide receiver. In other words, they need to protect Kyler Murray, especially the interior pocket. The interior has got to get more solidified. they got to find a way to bring back Justin Pugh, even though he's under contract. There's a weird situation going on with him where the contract, they're going to have to re-up him. They need to protect Kyler Murray. Murray maybe you draft a offensive guard at number 23 the wide receiver you got to give Kyler Murray more options you got to find a wide receiver and then Paulie you got to bring a tight end in who's a two way guy this is this is I've talked to you about this before but you need a tight end and rundown situation first and 10 second and one to six that you can line up and run the ball or throw the ball they were at their best when they had Max Williams as that tight end
3: yeah, that was an underrated loss, and you've pointed that out for a long time, and and aptly so. You're absolutely right on that one. I mean, protect that quarterback. Yes, I agree with you. Yes. Get to the get to the quarterback. Yeah, Chandler Jones could be tagged. They tagged him once upon a time, and then a couple months later, they came up with a contract extension. And Darren Urban pointed out in ACCardinals.com if you tag Chandler Jones, it'd be just over 18 million. Is that feasible? Is that doable for a team that's just slightly over the cap right now? I don't know. What sort of attention will a well, 32-year-old pass rusher get?
0: Yeah, Paulino. I think he's going to get attention on a one- or two-year deal right there. But, you know, um, I kind of like that right there. Go ahead and do it. If you have to tag him, go ahead and bring back Chad, man, one more time. One more dance. Yeah.
3: To, uh, two quick reminders. The Arizona Cardinals season ticket priority list. Just go to azcardinals.com slash priority list for more information there. The Dave Patch podcast about Suns Ford. Mikhail Bridges available now wherever you get your podcasts on Twitter at pod Special thanks Jim Almohandro, Cody Fincher, of course, Sean Jefferson, Cardinals receivers coach. Ron Wolfley, on Paul Calvici. This has been the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert.